<laughs> Listen, I, I threw the book at Jose this morning. Poor guy, he's just trying to figure it out up there. Give Jose a hand. He needs a hand this morning. He needs a hand. <laughs> Jose can't wait till we can get the booth back there so that he doesn't have to sit up here with me. And I'm never going to put it back there because I just, I don't like to be alone. You know what I'm saying? I just like to have somebody with me up here. <laughs> Luke chapter 13. I got to get there. I'm all over the place here. Luke chapter 13. Man, I don't take anything for granted. These lights are complicated as anything. I was up here racking my brain all week trying to figure them out. We still got some work to do on it. Luke chapter 13. The title of the message today is What Fruit? What Fruit? Can you say that with me? What Fruit? Hey, good job. That was, that was better buy-in than most things we've done this morning already. I'm proud of you for standing and reading that scripture, Mr. Dave. That was good. You did good with that hat. <laughs> and where's, where's the other miss? Are they? Oh, you're both Daves. I just picked up on it. That's weird. That's funny. You can go ahead and put it on now if you want, because the light's reflecting. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Got him. He'll get me back. He'll get me back. Don't worry. <laughs> You're right. Please, please stay. No. Oh, that's funny stuff, man. I'm full of them. I'm full of them this morning. What fruit? Luke 13. Let's read a few verses together. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. Luke 13. We'll read verses 1 through 17. I want to cover some ground today, um, moving into this chapter. Um, But I think you'll get where I'm going here pretty quick. And the message is going to be very simple. Very simple, and it kind of stood out to me uh, as something that's very applicable. Uh, I feel like it, it should hit home. If it doesn't hit home, there's something wrong, you know what I mean? Uh, then you ain't home. <laughs> the light ain't on uh, if it doesn't hit home. Uh, but it's something that all of us, I think, will relate to, and, and I hope it's a blessing to you. Let's, let's read some scripture here. Luke 13, verse 1. There were present at the season some that told of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So there were present at that season, right? So if you think about it, we're continuing the thought once again. I'm trying to point that out to you. Every time that we read and move into the next portion of the scripture, is it tied to what we've been talking about? Or is it something that's entirely new? This chapter, just because it's chapter 13, verse 1, doesn't mean it's disconnected from chapter 12. Quite the contrary. There were present at that season, right? We're connecting. Some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate, anybody remember Pilate? Right. Who was that guy? Anybody know? Governor, right? Uh, Rome, if you will. The, the Roman guy put there to oversee. He was the one essentially to make the call, crucify him. Pilate, as, as the Roman leader, making the decree eventually, just in a few short chapters, just... In a few short weeks, Christ is going to be killed, right? And so Pilate will be the one to, to say the decree, and then the, Romans, the Roman soldiers just carry it out, right? They were the ones that just, they were just doing their thing. Um, so this is Pilate here mingling with their sacrifices. i got to uh, kill this, my bad. My um, display keeps cutting out. Auto lock, never. How about that? So Pilate's here. They're talking about this story about Pilate mingling, uh, mingled with their sacrifices, whose blood Pilate had mingled. So uh, look at verse 2. And Jesus answering said, 
Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? What does he say in verse 3? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So a little historical background here. There were two times that Paul had engaged with the Jewish population here in this region of Galilee. And there were big protests. And Pilate, the way he deals with the protests, he says, go kill him. And then he deals with pushback. And then there was one other time that Pilate, uh, history, the history books tell us that he takes money from the temple to build the aqueducts. <laughs> and the Jews did not like that. So more protests, more Jews out protesting in the street. Pilate says, go shake them up. So that's how he dealt with his problems. And then uh, Pilate was very, uh, I, I, there was like some political campaign years ago. Remember where it was, I think it was Kerry, flip-flop. Remember that? Uh, Kerry running for president. And then everybody at the rallies, they'd have the flip-flops where they'd hold it up. And they'd, anybody remember that? It was years ago. When he, was, when he was running for president, and then he would say and speak out of both sides of his mouth, and, and he'd be like, yeah, we're going to do this with policy, and then two weeks later, he'd change and say, we're going to do this with policy, and then the crowd would be like, flip, flop. Anyway, you get the point. Uh, but that's how Pilate was. He was very influenced by uh, the people, by what the cultural vibes were, and in his position, he just didn't really want to make too many waves Uh, And essentially, you see this played out in the story with Jesus being crucified. Eventually, he says, the man's innocent, but the crowds are screaming. The crowds are crying. The crowds want him crucified. So we can see here even Jesus touching on, and this is why I think it's it's interesting, Jesus touching on Pilate's leadership during that time as a Roman governor and, and basically saying that, it didn't have anything to do whether those people were more sinners or less sinners. So in case you're wondering, uh, as Pilate leads, like he's a pawn, if you will. There's a greater purpose that's happening that's being driven through this story, through this narrative that Pilate has nothing to do with. So I think that's interesting, right? That even Jesus talks about this, and it's almost like you know, you get the sense when you're reading this book, he knows what's coming, Right? He's, he's, he's talking in this present season that there were times that Pilate said, you know, go kill him. Blood in the streets. And you, Pharisees, and you that were opposed to that, were you justifying that by saying, hey, those that died, they were, better, they were, they were worse sinners than me. And that's often how they dealt with, with bad things that, I'm spitting, now you can really see it in the light. <laughs> that's how they dealt with negative things that happened in their life. How many of us deal with it that way? Well, there was sin. Well, she had sin in her life, or he had sin in his life. I told him. And Jesus says, look, at verse 3, I tell you nay, except ye, what? Repent. Ye shall all likewise perish. We're going to go back to that word perish. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of background, okay? Verse 4. Or those 18, upon whom the tower in uh, Siloam fell and slew them, Think, they, think ye they that they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? He's going to say the same thing. I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Let's just read through. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree. And this really focus on this here. Had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. 
Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth in the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and, and, and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that we shall cut it down. This is one last plea. If I were to say an end of the story, this would be it right here. This is the break from all of those warnings that he gave in chapter 12, leading all the way up through chapter 13. This is the break. This is where it stops. He stops with this moment where he gives one last parable, one last earthly story with a heavenly meaning, one last cry to them, if you will, to listen that the signs of the times are upon us. Last week we talked about cloudy with a chance of spirituality. How many of you saw the storm clouds this week when you were out on the beltway and you saw that huge storm coming in? It was like six o'clock in the evening. Anybody see that? It was like, woo! wind was picking up and I thought immediately back to Sunday's message, like, listen, the signs of the times are upon us. And he gives one last story to emphasize it. One last story to tell you, you better listen up because I'm coming back. You better listen up because it's not going to be as it is right now forever. There must be a reckoning. Let's pray and we'll jump in. Father God, we love you. We thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. Father, be with us today as we Uh, walk through the scriptures a little bit and we talk about this thing of fruit and we talk about this thing of growth. Holy Spirit, be with me. Speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus leaves it here, really, all of the admonitions of chapter 12. All of the, you better get yourself right. And he stops here. Verse 10 moves forward. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, right? So that ended. Now he finds himself in a, in a place where he's teaching in the synagogue. It was an easy crowd for him, right? He shows up. He knows they're going to be gathered there on the Sabbath day teaching in the synagogue. So Jesus, Jesus shows up. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was uh, bowed together and could in no wise lift herself up. She was like hunched over, verse 12. And when Jesus saw her, he called uh, her to him and said to her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, he was mad, because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered and said, Thou, say the next word. Okay, so they didn't really get it, right? Jesus was pretty direct with them, as we're seeing over and over. Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to the watering? In other words, don't you move about, right? And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed 
And all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. We're going to stop right there. In this story, after he finishes his admonition from chapter 12, carries us in, stay with me, carries us into chapter 13, gives us one last parable that we're going to really focus on. Then, story done, he finds himself in the synagogue, right? Jesus is in the synagogue. He's teaching. He sees a woman bent over 18 years. He calls her over. He heals her. The Pharisees, they're like, what are you doing? It's the Sabbath day. You can't be healing people. And he's like, didn't you uh, take your donkey to water the thing this morning? I didn't really do any more than that. You know, I'm the son of God. I healed this woman. Why are you, remember, hypocrite means what? Do you remember? Actor. Why are you acting? Why are you putting on a show? Why is this synagogue, we'll say, why is this church service a place for you to show out and not to show up for the people who need it? There was clearly a difference in opinion of what good ministry looked like. To the Pharisees, ministry looked like sitting down, reading, praying, you know, a good little uh, boy and girl coming in and singing worship and maybe even confessing sin, not saying amen for Pastor Ray's prayer, like what's going on with that? Anyway, and then you're out the door, right? God forbid the Lord actually move in our service. God forbid somebody actually get healed. God forbid somebody actually find a cure for a problem that's been there for 18 years. And you know what? I have faith that there's someone here today that if you came to get healed, you can be healed. You can be healed from something physical, from something spiritual, from something emotional. And I'm not just here to go through the motions. I'm here to tell you that the Holy Spirit moves just like the wind. We don't see it blowing, but it's moving as it wants to move and as it sees fit to move. And if it wants to move in on us like that, so be it. Let there be Pentecost here today. Whatever that looks like in 2019, I'm not quite sure. But I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to sit here and stand in judgment for what God's going to move in on your life and do. I would want to give him praise for it. So there's clearly a problem. Yes? They're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm doing the work of the Lord. So I can relate a little bit when I read that story to the modern day church. Have you seen this type of behavior before? What do you think you're doing? I give her six weeks. She ain't going to last long. <laughs> She's a sinner, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like we're ready for people to fail before they even get started. What's up with that? What fruit? Let's go back to the story in the beginning, the parable that he tells. I'm looking for it. And he spake a parable, verse 6. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon, and found what? None. And found what? Okay. This is a problem. And this is what Jesus was saying going into this, into this next season, into this next time where he went into the synagogue. He left us with this parable that's very important, that spells it out. He's looking for what? Fruit. Come on, y'all. He's looking for what? Fruit. And then, he says, the, the owner of the vineyard basically says, this thing has been there three years, taking up good what? Real estate in my vineyard. Pull that thing up out of there and let's get something in it that's going to grow. 
Now, first of all, we got some room in our vineyard. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we could put some plants in here. We could put some plants over there. We got some. We could fill in our vineyard a little bit. You agree? A little bit. But what about those of you that are already in a spot? How are we doing? All right, I'm going to stop making eye contact. It's getting awkward. <laughs> How are you doing? Has it been three years since you've been saved and you still ain't brought one piece of fruit? I mean, I'm just saying, man, it's getting real quick. Y'all are like, it's Father's Day. Just, just find a passage, Pastor, where there's a father and talk about fatherhood. Masculinity, maybe. That's what you're supposed to do on Father's Day, okay? I'm sorry, not here. We're just going next chapter, next verse. I'm just saying. What fruit? Y'all say it with me. What fruit? All right, good. I'm glad you asked. It's not about what happens in this life. It's about what happens next. And all of you buckle up real quick, okay? Remember not, wherever you are in your little seat, fasten your seatbelts, remember not to fear him that can kill the body. And we have to remind ourselves of these things that have already been discussed up to this point. Remember, don't fear him that can kill the body. Don't fear him that can just kill the plant. Remember the vineyard owner that can take that plant and cast it in a fire for eternal uh, burning, for eternal death. The word perish, look at it. Look at it right there, verse... uh, I'm looking for it. It's there. It's somewhere. Uh, Except ye repent, verse 5. Two stories Jesus tells. Is that because were they killed... Were they, were they killed uh, because of their sin? No. They were killed, right? And you'll be killed if you don't repent. And Jesus was saying, you're looking at this bad circumstance on earth as being the answer to their problem. And Jesus says, that's not the problem. Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That Greek word there, perish, it literally means to destroy fully. The problem is, is that we are so concerned with what happens during our 70 years on this earth. And when Jesus goes into this parable, he was trying to set the stage and say, I'm going to give you one last story. One last time. I already told you that if the goodman goes away for the wedding, you ought to be standing there waiting for him to return. In like manner, I'm going to go, John 14, and I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again. And church, if you're here, if you're taking up space, if you've been planted, let's not be so concerned about the death that we can endure on this earth, but the death that is to come and except we repent we will be eternally extinguished they're saying i'm just so scared about what happened and what Pilate did Pilate made a call and boom they must have been greater sinners and jesus like you're just missing the point again once again why are you so worried about dying here paul oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory now let me be honest with you and transparent i fear death I have those moments of insecurity. I have those moments of doubt. We all do. We're human. But I have to lean into the Scriptures. I have to lean into the final authority of all faith and practice. And the Scriptures tell me that it's not this death that we should be so concerned about. It's the eternal, extinguishing death that we will experience if we have not repented. That's, the pro- that's what he's saying. He's saying there in verse 5, Except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That word perish. I know that it's been a constant theme. But anything that is a distraction from your eternal kingdom view is a sin. 
This has been the theme of Jesus' preaching. And anything that is a distraction from your kingdom view is a sin. One final reminder here in 6-9, through that the Lord is looking for spiritual fruit. He is looking for the fruits that the Holy Spirit will bring about in your life. How many of you are concerned with spiritual growth this morning? Okay, three of you. Great. Here's the point. If we're not supposed to be hyper-focused on physical death, we're hyper-focused on spiritual death, hyper-focused on the kingdom of God, then once again, we should be hyper-focused on kingdom growth in our lives. Kingdom life in our lives. Make sense? I just got to live this life to the fullest. (laughs) I got to squeeze everything out of it that I can. You better squeeze something out of it for the next life. I'm just saying. I'm trying to like put the jelly on the bottom shelf. You know what I'm saying? We, We are confused as a church. We come in here and we hear spiritual talk. That makes us feel better physically. It'll be okay, sugar. (laughs) It's going to be all right. I know you're dealing with whatever. Fill in the blank. Jesus loves you. (laughs) You know, and no joke. I I saw somebody was commenting on these, like, prosperity preachers. Y'all trying to buy me one of them uh, $25 million Gulfstream jets? Let's go. We'll fly that puppy right out of Martin's. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We'll go reach the... I've, I saw this guy, no joke. They did an interview with that, that one fellow, that televangelist. He was just like... I think he's like 85. <laughs> Sorry. Man, I could do this guy's impression all day long. I swear, like, it looked like he was going to come out of his skin. He was so upset. And inside edition, do y'all see that? She was all up in his grill. So, so Mr. Copeland, I heard that... Uh, you know, you, you spent $27 million to buy that plane. And you basically said that riding in a commercial jet is like riding with a bunch of demons. Do you think we're all demons, Mr. Copeland? No, what I was saying was, <laughs> I mean that the devil works in mysterious ways. Wait a minute, that's supposed to be God, Mr. Copeland. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, Mr. Tyler Perry, I mean, I just could not buy the jet, you know? I mean, he took about $5 million off. I mean, I had to buy it. Listen here, sweetheart. I preached to 150,000 people with that jet. I bet you did. Jeez. You know what we could do with $27 million? We could, like, end hunger. We could give water to, like, everyone. Like, the whole world. I mean, he could probably, like, build an app to just give water to everyone all over the world. $27 million. We... It's so, I'm I'm just making stuff up. The point is, is we see injustice. Stay with me. We see that, and then we lump all Christianity in with a little measure of that lie. Well, that's how churches are. Uh Uh-uh. That ain't how churches are. That's how prosperity preachers are. That's how people that preach false doctrine are, that say, you just give. You just give and everything's going to be okay. Lord will take care of you. <laughs> While he's over here just like, <laughs> got him. <laughs> we cannot blur the lines between the physical nature and the eternal nature. We cannot. As soon as we blur the lines, we get on a slippery slope. And then motives are questioned. 
And once the motive is skewed, once the motive is off, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, this makes sense for us. Keep justifying it and see where you end up. Church, this fruit that we are talking about is spiritual fruit. I have absolute zero intention to stand up here and preach finances into your life and preach prosperity at your job into your life. The point is not to get rich. The point is to be rich in eternal inheritance. I'm just saying. Calm. It's all right. I'm just... What fruit? So some of you need to automatically identify in your heart and in your life that there's a fallacy. You're coming to church. Maybe you're doing what you're doing based on an idea that God is going to give something to you in return. He owes you nothing. Just so you know. He bought you. He paid your way to heaven. Everything that is administered to you through Him, to me, through Him, is called by grace through faith. It was not earned. So therefore, we can't leave that truth and adopt some kind of hybrid version of it. Because when we do, the water becomes muddy. I stand up and I say, we need sound equipment. That's a need. That's something that we intrinsically need to do what we're doing now. I don't want and desire these newer, flashy things for any other reason other than our mission. That's it. Why we do new lights? Why do we have the things? There's a certain level of balance that we need to achieve. And that balance is something that the Spirit of God will lead us into. But we're not trying to blur the lines between the physical and the eternal. And some of you need to do that in your own lives. You need to flush that out. What does that look like? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Sowing and reaping is a law that happens. It's just a law built into the fabric of this universe. But are you trying to replace God's sovereignty in your life? Because you want something else other than God. You need to ask yourself that question. Okay, that's, that's enough. <laughs> Let me ask you a couple questions. One more. How many of you are now concerned, not with physical growth, but how many are concerned with spiritual growth this morning? Spiritual growth. Good. That's more. Okay. Let me ask you this question. Will you be in the pew next year? In this parable, stay with me. In this parable, he said, all right, I'll give it one more year. I'll give it one more year. You can leave that plant there. Do what you can. But we'll pray that it has fruit on it within that year. Stay with me, church. This is important. Ask yourself this question. Will I be planted in a year? I've watched a lot of people, even in the, you know, the three, almost three that we've been doing this. They come and they go. They come and they go. Ask yourself that question. Will I be planted in a year? If you are, what's the requirement? The requirement for being in your place and remaining in the vineyard is for you to be what? Productive. Yeah, I'm going to be here, Pastor Matt. I'm going to be here. <laughs> well, what's the requirement? Oh, productive? I think I'm going to be dormant for a season. <laughs> Put that bag over me, you know? 
wrap me up for the winter. I'll be out next spring. I promise you. A work day? <laughs> Excuse me? Give what? That's why I love that membership class so much. It talks about what community is all about. That there's a requirement that we find in Scripture. All right, you get the point. Will you be here in a year? Follow me on these scriptures. Okay, I'm not just pulling this out of left field. Psalm 1, 2 through 3. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The law of the Lord. And he shall be like a what? Tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth his what? Fruit. Oh, is that what we're after? That's what we're after. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. See, if I was Kenneth Copeland, I like this like dynamic. I'd be like, whatsoever you're going to do, it's going to prosper. <laughs> Put a couple dollars and he'll give you ten back. <laughs> Put it in. Go ahead. Try him. Whatsoever you do, everything, he's going to bless you financially. <laughs> Who cares? That's what I'm saying. I've read the back of the book. I know how this thing's going to play out. Who cares if you have... Millions of dollars, what does it matter? It matters if you're using it for the eternal purpose of the kingdom. So if you have a skewed perspective, either way, it's not going to wash out. Here's what I think. Prospering in this. What did Jesus command us to do? What did Jesus command us to do? Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even in the end of the world. Amen. That's what he's commanded you to do. Matthew 9, 37 through 38 says this. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the what? Laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The problem isn't the fact that other people don't want to believe. The problem is that there's no one to tell them. There's no one to pick them. So in this scenario of the tree that's going to be plucked up, there's no fruit for people to eat off of. There's no people to go out into the harvest to say, let me tell you about my Savior. 1 Corinthians 9.22 Paul said it this way, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. And I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. What's the point? What are we trying to prosper at? What is your focus? The focus is quickly being aligned by Scripture for us to reach people, for us to reach the lost. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. To everyone. Oh, to the three, or to the two, or to that one that believes to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first, and also, thank God, to the Greek. The point is that there is a power given to a great commission that we are commissioned with to carry out. But the laborers are few. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man. If Jesus came to do it, then we should be doing it. What are we trying to do here? What is the purpose? What is the meaning of life? If I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me that, I'd be my man Kenneth Copeland. And rolling in my belly, you know what I'm saying? I would be there. Because people don't understand that if the Son of Man, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. If He came to do it, then we should come to do it then we should be up for the task. 
Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. It's a tree of life. The fruit is a tree of life. He that winneth souls is what? Wise. What's the point? Winning souls. Luke 10, 27, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. Oh, and wait, and your neighbor, what? As thyself. Look at the dynamic that scripture is teaching us. Do we have any question what fruit is now? Do we have any question what is required of us? Scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture will point you to giving. Point you to giving of yourself. Point you to loving others as you love yourself. The Bible says no man hath ever hated his own flesh. You can't help the fact that you're a sinner and that you love you. Oh no, I don't love me. Well, the fact that you act like that means that you love you too much because you're concerned with you rather than other people. So anyway, even if it's selfishness, it's you're being selfish. Regardless, no man hath ever hated his own flesh or woman thereafter. So the point is this. If we are focused on what God wants us to be focused on, we're to be focused on others. If this fruit of us to be in production of, if it was here in a a physical tree, what would it look like? It would look like two different things, okay? Here's where the practical part of this message comes in. I really am singling out this parable. Stay with me, look at me. We know that Jesus left, went to the synagogue, healed a woman, and they were all tore up about the fact that he healed her on the Sabbath day. They clearly missed the point. Their fruit, their tree was growing things that Jesus wasn't concerned about, yes? But according to the Bible, there is fruit that we should be bearing. So I want to help you with that this morning. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. We talked about that a few weeks ago. So I'm going to take the excuse away. And then remember, according to the parable... You have one year. You have one year. I don't know that it's going to be exactly one year, right? We don't, no man know at the time or the season. But the point is, is that it's imminent. I'm going to give you the truth of what it looks like for a tree to bear fruit. It's up to you to make the decision to start growing it. Ready? Grow. <laughs> Not like that. All right. Y'all needed to laugh a little bit. Y'all... Jeez. What can we conclude from these passages? Number one, ready? Grow is reaching the lost. Literally growth. Grow. What does it mean to grow? It means to reach the lost. Number one, our faith should be shared. Our faith should be shared. What's the difference between hitting the share button and sharing your faith? Huh? The only kind of share we know how to do nowadays is make it public. I'll share it. Right? Share. But the problem with that is that that is so passive. Sharing your faith should be an intentional process that you are walking someone through. I'm talking about you and you bearing fruit. 
I'm talking about the Scriptures that we read that talks about what good looks like to Jesus. Do we all agree on those texts? That that says that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And if we're here to labor, if we're one of the twelve put in this position, or one of the seventy that he sent out uh, into the communities to reach others, he was sending them out to share the gospel. That's an intentional process. It is not something that you are a fan of. It is something that you are fanning. When the fire starts... Yeah, I'm a fan of this. No, no, no. You're fanning it. Steve, can I borrow you for a second? Come up here real quick. Growth is reaching the lost. Listen, the qualification, the qualification for you to remain in the vineyard is for you to bear what? Fruit. Fruit. If I'm going to reach him, if I want to share my faith with him, it's going to happen like this. I just want to remind you guys this. In 2019, it doesn't happen like this. And then when we connect at, at dinner or at lunch or at work, yo, did you see my post? Okay, just check in. We'll see how you felt about it. I got a better one. Hey, man. Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Hey, man. How much do you do social media? I don't do it at all. Oh, man. You ever thought about it? Because I share, I share really good stuff. It's real super positive. It's positive. That's, that's an okay word to use in workplaces now. It's really positive. No, no. Is everything positive in your life? No. I'm positive it's not without Jesus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Church... I feel like Christians are some of the most cheesy people in the world. I know I'm cheesy, you know what I'm saying. But like, if you just want to share faith, hey, let's go get some coffee. You down with that? Yeah, I love coffee. Cool, man. Me too. (laughs) This is my kind of convert. How's how's life going, man? Is it good? It's good. Bro, I just want you to know I love you, man. I love you too. I love you. Do you need anything? Uh 27 million. I got you, bro. <laughs> see, see, my boy Kenneth Copeland, me and him are like this. Hold on, let me Facebook him real quick. <laughs> the point is, is it's a relationship. Watch. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Y'all looked in the mirror this morning. You fixed yourself up, most of you. <laughs> you put time in. You reflect. I want to engage in a human conversation. Jesus comes back. Why don't you got fruit? Well, you see, in 2019, we don't really do face-to-face thing anymore. Jesus, don't you know? It's like all like this. (laughs) Dude, I DM'd so many people. Bro, chill. Chill with the judgment thing. (laughs) But no joke. We think we shared a post that was positive and we're doing our duty. I am not bagging. It may seem like it a little bit. I'm not bagging on social media. Like that's a, that's a really good thing. But that's a passive approach that should be happening. You need to be intentional about talking with people. It's, it's like this is the process that we're going to engage in because you care about them. 
Reaching the lost should be intentional. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Number two, display or trust the process. This, I, think, I think this is going to make some sense to you. Bearing fruit, and, I, I, and some people would disagree with me on, on this as far as like fruit is not men. Bearing fruit is not another Christian. Bearing fruit are the fruits of the Spirit, right? So a lot of people, I think, will maybe disagree with me in that regard. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a matter of the fruits of the Spirit not being those fruits. I think it's both. I don't think it's one or the other. I don't think you're going to get off, I don't think you're going to be let off the hook, so to speak, because you were sharing your gifts and it just didn't come to fruition. I just think we're diligent about the things we want to be diligent about. If you're passionate about it, you're going to do it. God forbid you're going to, I mean, we're going on vacation, you know what I'm saying? If it's something you want to do, you're going to do it. Yes? Church, I'm just trying to be real with you. One year. I give you one year. If it ain't bore fruit, dig that thing up. What's fruit? It's reaching the lost. It's winning people to Jesus. How? Watch this. How do we do that? By displaying the fruits of the Spirit. That's how it works. I'm going to display my fruits. I just have love. I got joy. I got goodness. Let's go to it real quick. Galatians. I think it's in Galatians 5, 22 through 24. Read it. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no what? Oh. Hmm. And they that are Christ have crucified the what? And the affections and lusts. That's the problem. We ain't crucified the flesh. We're connecting with people through the flesh. When I get back in a year, what are you going to say for yourself? She was pretty. Ooh. You cared more about her body than her soul. I'm just saying. He was a lot of fun to be around. Shoot, we went hunting, fishing. Or nowadays, we played video games every Friday night. It was awesome. I don't even know how y'all do that. I'm just saying. But whatever, that's cool. That's chill, yo. Play your video games. We had so much fun together. Okay. What about his soul? Are you that worried about losing a friend? Because you need a friend? And you're not more concerned about him losing his soul to hell? I'm just saying, if we would put perspective first that my J-O-B here is to reach the lost. That's the point. And, and 
for whatever reason, God, you chose to save me. You, you chose to take the blinders off my eyes, and, and I was able to believe. I, w- I was able to, to make a decision to set my affection on things above, and I put first the kingdom of God, and, and you saved my soul gloriously. I'm a sinner. I'm a no-good person, and, and you put your goodness in me, and, and now you're taking me to heaven? That's amazing. And he says, yeah. Now, realize that you didn't deserve that and that everybody else out there deserves it just as much as you do and you go tell them about it. Oh, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can do that. Um, go back to the 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. You're right, you can't do it. You're right, you can't. Paul, Philippians 1.6 Let he which hath begun, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Christians, if we are going to grow, if we're going to be in our seat in a year, if the vineyard, the owner is going to come back and look at us in our pew and see us with fruit that remains, something that he's proud of, something that he has worked because he made the investment in us and then we just trusted the process. Go back to number two. We displayed, we displayed, we trusted the process of love. We trusted the process of the fruits of the Spirit. But the problem is, is you're trusting in yourself. And that's not going to grow. I like this. Miracle grow. See what I did there? The only way you're going to bear fruit on this spiritual tree is if you let the Holy Spirit display it. Here's the last thing. The Bible says, against such there is no law. Here's the litmus test. You ready? The word law there means regulation. It means, it means to cut it off. It literally, against such, peace, gentleness, goodness, against such there is no law. It literally means putting an animal into a certain place, a certain pin, to only graze in that spot. That's the connotation of the Greek word behind it. There's regulation to your feeding him. You have motives to to why you're only feeding him certain things. Some of you don't know how to love without regulation. Some of you put your spouse in a pen and say, I'm only going to love you if you act the way I want you to act. I'm only going to be peaceful as long as You follow my what? Rules. Against such, there is no rules. How do you know if you're displaying the fruit of the Spirit? Are you regulating it? Is there an end to your love? Is there an end to your forgiveness? A diver, when he jumps in to the deep sea, maybe he's going 50 meters, 100 meters, He has an oxygen tank with a limit, and he has a regulator. That regulator is there to control the airflow so that he can pace himself through that tank of oxygen. You're never going to grow spiritual fruit if you're pacing your love out, if you're controlling the amount of long-suffering you have. 
Some of you have never experienced literally just letting the Spirit of God work through you. When your enemy, the Bible says, love my enemy? No. I have a line. You have a what? You have a law on your love. You have a governor on that. Why are we not reaching people in our churches? Because we're not letting go. They're watching you get angry about the same thing that makes them angry. They're watching you not love your wife or go through a hard time and react the same way. Why don't we just take the regulator and throw it away? I think you'll be shocked at how much the Holy Spirit will actually work through you. I think the question is better asked this way. Who will be in the pew with you next year? That's a better way to ask. There's more here, but that's all we have time for. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to grow, church. I want you to display the fruits of the Spirit in your life. Jose, put that, the, verse, the Galatians verse back up there, if you can. Listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. While you're sitting there and praying, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Next one. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. I just want to point something out to you. We're his. Your tree is going to grow as to your ability to surrender to what he is doing in your life. The first thing we want to do as Christians is compare ourselves to other trees. And let me remind you, comparison equals control. When you're comparing yourself to other Christians, you're controlling what you're doing. You're regulating it. We cannot be a church that is focused on others around us. And that passage ends there. It's not for vainglory. It's not to be seen. This is really a question of motives this morning. Do you have a desire to reach the lost? Do you have a desire to give of yourself? Then if you do, don't stop short. Let the Holy Spirit of God work through you and don't regulate it. One of the biggest regulators, I think, is pride. As soon as good things, quote-unquote, people start seeing Jesus in us, co-workers start coming and... You know, we start talking about Jesus in our lives, and then as soon as good things start to happen, we take credit for it. Ugh. You just slapped a big old regulator on what Jesus is doing in your life. As a pastor, as an under-shepherd, my goal is for you to be here in a year and to produce fruit in your life. Why ultimately do we talk like this, and why is this in our language? Because that's the only way you're going to be happy. 
once you have the fruits of the Spirit displayed in your life, you're not going to want the fruits of the flesh. It's going to blow your mind. But you can't play with both. You can't play with control. You've got to give in to him.